0: to Books and Beyond with your host, Allison, Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and
1: beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a library, yeah. Standing there behind the counter, willing to help
0: with all the problems that I encounter. Hi, hi Do my Kiara and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Iniko, brought to you from our home studios. Kiara Kia Kiara Allison, how are you? Oh, look, I'm not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Just wrapped up a, a successful We Read Auckland.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm telling you what, I'm I'm pretty tired afterwards, but I'm so pleased with how it's gone. It's been an absolute joy.
0: It re- yeah, it's been fantastic, hasn't it? I'm so proud of everyone involved, and we're hoping that um, our listeners have managed to get along to a few events. Right.
1: So if you if you missed out, or if you're keen for more of where it all can, you can jump onto our YouTube channel. Um, we've got some recorded content on there, some interviews with the author, local authors, and um, we've also got um, podcast on a uh, special, extra special podcast on the SoundCloud as well,
0: yes. an author interview with Stephanie Johnson. Which was really a, a joy to do, and um, make sure um, you let your local library know how you enjoyed the events too. Yeah. If you happen to be talking to them, yeah. So look, apologies in advance if some of my sentences don't make sense. I've got—I've actually got a puppy in the studio with me today, which may or may not proved to have been a good idea but we will see how we go (laughs) yes but if it all turns to custard we we know who will will blame this lovely little four legs (laughs) Well, we're going to kick it off this
1: um, for this episode with a, um, a review of an Auckland title, so by an Auckland author, um, Graham Lay, and his new book, Larry and Viv, which was published um, just earlier this year, 2022, and you'll find it in our adult fiction collection. Now, I read this last weekend after I was having a, a sort of well-needed day off and really loved it. Um, it's set in England just after World War II, and our main character, Jed, is a very thoughtful and sensitive young man who decides to stand as a conscientious objector rather than signing up. Now, of course, this means for him a three-year stint in a labour camp and a severe drop in status and job prospects in his community, um, which is apparently this, this um, made up a bit more of this book, but it was, it was sort of edited down a bit, but I found that quite interesting in the book. Now, following a family tragedy, he moves to London, and by 1948, he's in his mid-twenties and he's working at the prestigious Old Vic Theatre as a stagehand, but he's harboring ambitions of becoming a playwright himself. Now, when Jed's asked to work on a seven-month Antipodean um, theatre tour, bringing Richard III and two other plays to cities across Australia and New Zealand, his world suddenly becomes much bigger and brighter than it was before. Now the touring cast is pretty special and includes the world-renowned actor Sir Laurence Olivier and star of stage and screen and Olivier's wife Vivian Lee. But while Jed's exploring the exotic locations as he moves around the place and he's having exciting encounters with the locals who are all coming in droves to see Sir Laurence and Lady Olivier or Larry and Viv in the flesh... All is not well behind the scenes with this famous pair. They're growing increasingly tired of the tour and of each other's company. Now, I really loved the descriptions of Auckland in the late 40s in this book. They are really well described through Jed's eyes as an outsider. Now, I really stupidly forgot to note down this quote that I noted um, before I, I flicked it back to the library, but Jed describes his first impressions of Queen Street, um, and it was something like, a small city trying to be big with buildings shrunk down to fit. And mm-hmm. uh, Jed and his mate, they're really shocked uh, when they go into the local pub um, just um, at about a quarter to six in the evening um, and hit the six o'clock swill. Um, the public bar downtown is heaving and clamouring with men getting just one last jug in before they hit the road. <laughs> it was a oh. very evocative scene. Yes, um, And then uh, Jed and his friend are pushed out uh, into what's suddenly a grey and quiet city. Everyone's gone home. Um, But then the queues start building for the 8 o'clock flicks. And, of course, on this starry occasion in Auckland, we have Shakespeare in the Spanish Renaissance Splendour of the St. James Theatre. Takes me back to lots of gigs I went to in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, Jed meets, while he's in Auckland, he meets a group of cultured European emigres. um, And he... Particularly notes um, a striking Hungarian Jewish architecture student. Now, she Natalia is the only member of her family to survive the Holocaust, and she has him reconsidering his stance on the futility of war. Mm. Now I think this book will appeal to fans of 20th century historical fiction and in particular local history buffs um, who've got an interest in literature and the arts. Graham lays, lays on a really lovely job of taking historical figures and putting them into these sort of invented but nearly possible scenarios. In the book, um, Vivian Lee is wine-dined and sort of semi-wooed by former Auckland mayor and philanthropist Sir Ennis Davis. And Frank Sargison um, uh, short story uh, writer extraordinaire um, sends Olivia a copy of his um, latest collection which is called That Summer and an invitation to hop on a ferry and a bus down the dusty tracks mm. that was Takapuna's Esmond Road in the 1940s for um, a pretty fiery homemade liquor some <laughs> <Yes>. homemade scones <laughs> and a literary <laughs> natter. <laughs> um, also making appearances in the book are um, uh, Nio Marsh and Charles Brash, um, who host uh, amateur dramatics and also dinners for the celebrity couples. They're making their way down the country through Christchurch and Dunedin, um, while they're making nice for the cameras. But of course, at lockerheads and mm. private. Now you know you'll know Alison that you're always in really good hands with um, with Graham Lay. He's a very experienced author. Has been writing for. At least 40 years, I think, mm. but perhaps more. Um, he writes both fiction and nonfiction, and he's a long ter- a time Devonport local. And I was best known for his trilogy featuring Captain Cook. I really enjoyed um, Larry and Viv. It was a fascinating book. It was expertly researched and a lovely blend of fact and fiction. A really good companion, like I said, for a day off on the couch with a cuppa. Um, it did have me googling for photographs of the tour to see, you know, what what everybody looked like and absolutely they were a gorgeous couple um, and you can't tell at all that they're fighting behind the scenes, although this mm. was apparently um noted in uh, both their memoirs <laughs> later right. in the piece uh, and they did split up later in the 60s, I believe. Um There's some lovely photos in the National Library collection um, of the tour. Um, that you can check out. And you should also look out for Graham Lay's next work in progress. He's back on the boats. He's um, currently working on a novel about Joseph Banks, who was Cook's botanist on The Endeavour.
0: Wow. Oh, look, he's just prolific, Mm. uh, Graham Lay. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about Larry and Viv. I wonder if they were quite similar to Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton um, in terms of the... Being at loggerhead, you know, but both well, being brilliant. I don't brilliant know that
1: they went on again. You know how Richard Burton was. Yes. Were on again, off again. I don't yes. know that they were on again. <laughs> this was just
0: off. Was I they suppose when it? it off. Yes. Once it, once it finished, it was off. <laughs> I really want to read that. It sounds right up my alley. It was really good. Now, um, look, another Auckland author who is just great, um, I'm gonna talk about Nikki Lee's latest work. And but this is a halfway through review. So um mm. I'm halfway down Dominion Road sort of thing with this one. So now um Nikki Lee has written a book called The Rakens Familiar and it's aimed at the young adult market, but it is a crossover. You can read it you know, it appeals to adults as well. Mm. So now Nikki Lee grew up in Australia, um, but she now lives in Auckland and she's just led a writing workshop for teens at the Waiheke Library and that was um, just in the last weekend of We Read Auckland and it was very, very inspiring for young writers. So it was really good of her to do that for us. Now Nikki's had over 20 stories um, published in magazines, anthologies, and on the radio. And the Rakan's Familiar is her debut novel. And it's an epic tale of a about a girl who's bonded to a monster. Um, and it's, as I say, it's just been published. Now, it's the first of a planned trilogy, and it's been getting rave reviews. So, as I say, I'm about halfway through it. But look, Enika, I've got to say, I'm loving it. Mm. now and which is a lot for me to say that about fantasy yeah you're not so much about the fantasy are you yeah i'm i'm learning but and i suppose <laughs> you're never too old to to learn this whole dog maybe has got some some new tricks <laughs> in her reading sleeves um so the rakan's familiar it's incredible fantasy. It's full of magic, strange creatures, friendship and fighting. Now the Rakan are are bird-like creatures that live in two worlds. They live in what's known as the human world and what's called the other world. And they have a unique magic. Um, It allows them to slip between both worlds as long as they can control their power. Mm. Now humans... Um, from the human world also have the possibility of magic, and they have a set of complicated magic spells. but these powers are tightly controlled by the vicious military who are hell bent on keeping control of the human population. Mm. So, because so many ordinary people have learned how to use this magic, it means that control by the military is actually quite a slippery slope. So, the forces, the armed forces are getting super violent. Mm. Now, our main character, Liz, is a human girl and she has no magic. So... um and it's awful. She is forced to witness the horrific killing of her father by the military, and that's at the beginning of the book. So then she learns to fight after this so that her all consuming desire to hunt down those who killed her father is fulfilled. Mm. And, but then, um, Uh, A series of events cause one of the Rakan to blood bond with Liss, um, which is a thing, apparently. And, um, (laughs) after this, this bonding between, um, Liss and the Rakan, both of their lives are going to change forever. But I haven't got to that bit yet, so I'm up to the part where they've bonded. But I don't know what's going to happen next. But I, I was mm. telling you before, I'm really liking the world building in the novel. And um, I love, when I read it, I love how it, it really transports me to another realm. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd like recommend really this. Finally, as well, with the, um,
1: you know, the new uh, Game of Thrones spin off coming out, House of the Dragons. I think, you know, yes, we're here for big flying fantasy creatures, aren't we?
0: That's right. And I imagine the Rakan to be huge. Um, yeah, look, I think she's really onto a winner with this. And, um, as we say, the rave reviews, it's, yeah, um, those big sort of epics like the Game of Thrones, they're, they're huge at the moment. So. Good I think this one is on Overdrive, isn't it? On Libby? Yes, it is as well. So, yeah, it's it's great. So I'll let you know when I, I finish it. might Bad. finish it over the weekend. Oh,
1: sounds good. Well, my next book is by, um, we're moving away from the Auckland authors and um, this is by Irish author Louise O'Neill and it's called Idle. Uh, it's published in 2022 and available in the Adult Fiction Collection. There is a bit of a queue, but I think it's worth getting in. If you like the sound of this review, get in the queue. Now, Samantha Miller is our main character, and she's forty years old. She's born in Connecticut, and she's now living the high life in Manhattan. Now, Sam is an influencer slash businesswoman slash wellness guru. Her company Shakti is flying high, based on her best-selling books, as sold-out events partnership deals, merch, wellness tonics, and all those other essentials for modern life.
0: <laughs> Which is all big business, isn't it? Oh, that's, <laughs> right. that's right.
1: Very big business. So when we meet her, she's just come off stage um, at one of her um, her uh, well, um, well-publicized events. And she's about to crack the 3 million follower mark following the release of her latest best-selling book, Chaste which encourages her adoring fan base of mostly young women to honour their truth and their bodies by leaving behind one-night stands in casual relationships so far, so flirting with right-wing conservatism. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) At the same time, an earlier essay about a night that she spent many years ago enjoying exploring her sexuality with her best friend as teenagers goes viral, but for all the wrong reasons. An anonymous post on Reddit suggests that the teenage encounter was far more sinister than sexy in the eyes of her friend. Mm -hmm. Now, the allegations of this... alleged historic sexual assault spread like wildfire as everything does nowadays and her fans start unsubscribing with the um um you know in droves really Mm. um so you've got this rapid rise and then rapid fall of her follower stats marked at the start of each chapter so you can see what's happening (laughs) in real time kind of thing day by day Now, Samantha's totally blindsided. How is she, the darling of female empowerment, solidarity and speaking your truth, suddenly in this situation? Well, her PR team and publishers swing into damage control mode. And, um, of course, the um, shareholders also are wanting to know um, what's going on as well. But Samantha isn't content to leave it to the professionals. She rushes back to her hometown to face up to her high school best friend, Lisa, in person. And she also has to confront her, uh, Lisa's husband, who is also Sam's ex high school boyfriend. So the plot thickens. Oh, a bit. no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Now, in, in Sam's attempts to restore her professional and her personal reputation and also her own sense of self, she's swinging wildly from best friends forever mode with this friend who she really hasn't been in touch with for quite a long time um, to kind of throwing money and gifts at the problem. Um, then then she's throwing out veiled threats to, to um, Lisa and her husband and other people in their circles. And then she's back to kind of the wheedling and the manipulation. And as the reader, you're kind of... Of swerving along with her um, as she's grappling with her own memories and interpretation of what happened, um, her relationships past and present, and this kind of crumbling sense of self. Like she has a you know a healthy ego on the outside, but there's actually quite a lot of instability in her own um, mm. her own kind of uh, psyche. So she's really this book is about what happened on this fateful night. Who can you trust as the reader? And also, what does each person in the book have to gain from the truth in Mm. quote marks? Now, this is the sixth book from bestselling Irish author Louise O'Neill, and it was published in 2022. Uh, It's my first one I've read by her.
0: Have you um, read anything by Louise O'Neill before? Yes, and I can't remember the name of the one that I have read but she, I, don't know I the found list it of them sorry. Yeah, she's amazing. Um and I follow her online too and she ah. writes really interesting stuff on Twitter and, and Instagram. So I like to check yeah. that out. Yeah, it was really te- quite a tense
1: um twisty sort of psychological thriller read. Um, this one I don't know whether this is ground that she's covered before but this, this book of course um, looks at the rise of influencer culture it looks at um, spirituality, which is one of my favourite words at the moment. Oh yes! <laughs> um, the Me Too movement and also the nature of memory and identity. Mm. Um, it only took me a couple of sessions to eat my way through this. I, I must admit I didn't really enjoy spending time in the company of Sam she's just not my kind of, I'm um, not really big on influences. Um, but, you know, like all of those sorts of celebrity drama and Falls from Grace, it was very hard to look away from what was happening. Mm. <laughs> it was a super grabby opening, lots of reveals along the way. And um, and the way that Sam has this kind of external and internal curation of her, her own mm. history and her identity is going to have a lot of readers um, staying, you know, staying for the wild ride to see who gets the final word on this one.
0: That book sounds amazing, actually. And these the stuff that I've read of Louise O'Neill um, before was it covered the Me Too um, ah. aspects of of modern life. So um, I love that about internal curation, too. Yeah, Evans, I, yeah. There's yeah. that sort of
1: it's not quite unreliable narrator because it is in the third person, but yeah, interesting. Mm. Really interesting
0: very much so. Oh wow. Well look, I'm going to something completely different. If we jump back about 200 years <laughs> from this one, but something that's uh, has a bit of disturbing um, <laughs> stuff in it. I've just read The Girl in His Shadow by Audrey Blake. Now, um it came out last year and it's available in all formats. Um now I read this uh just Couple of months ago, actually, um, as part of Overdrive's Big Library Read. Now, the Big Library Read is a global book club, um, that runs three times a year. So for our listeners, keep an eye out for the next promotion of Overdrive's Big Library Read. It will be in about November. Mm. Now, during each one, which, and, um, the, the, each read lasts for two weeks basically yeah so overdrive makes a title available so that anyone can read it at the same time and it's a a world it's global worldwide thing now I find it a really fun fun thing to do and it brings a real sense of community with it you know where you're knowing that you're reading and thinking about the same book as thousands of other people at the same time Mm, Very cool. yeah it's got that good book club vibe to it so now um the girl in a shadow it's medical historical fiction and the author Audrey Blake is actually a pen name for a collaboration between two writers mm. um, now both these writers um both relatively young women one's a health scientist and the other one is a historical researcher um and you'll see why they needed those skills when you actually read the book. Mm-hmm. So the women's name, the writer's names, um, we've got the Canadian Jamie Fixon and the American Regina Saroy. Um And they say, um, that they use the pen name Audrey Blake because Fixin and Saroi are too hard for people to spell and, and pronounce, I believe. Now, I noticed that, um, Jamie and Regina, they don't actually say which one's the health scientist and which one's the historical researcher. Interesting. They just go, one of us is, and the other is that sort of thing. So. But gee, they're good. They're really good. So now the story's set in nineteenth century London and begins in a pandemic. Funny that shame. <laughs> now this was well no it wasn't. Sorry, that was I Sorry. didn't mean it's to say funny. funny. It's not funny. Um Curious, it is. This was the deadly cholera outbreak of 1832, which was just a terrible thing. Um, and we first meet our main character, Eleanor Beady, when she's eight years old and she's newly orphaned as a parents of both just recently died of cholera. Now Eleanor is deathly ill herself when she's rescued by a kindly surgeon named Doctor Croft. So Croft and his trusted housekeeper, Mrs. Phipps, nurse Eleanor back to health and they they rename her Nora. Um, now, it's thought that Nora will become one of Dr. Croft's housekeeping staff and help keep the household running while he continues his life, his career of mentoring young male doctors and teaching them how to be surgeons. But Nora, who's a gifted artist and observer, has other ideas. mm So, Nora's actually raised around quite gruesome yet necessary experiments that are being undertaken on human cadavers. So, the house is filled with specimens and many of them are preserved in these huge glass jars of formaldehyde. Ooh, Yeah, it's a bit gruesome. But now, over the years, Nora, who's um, very skilled with a sketch pad, gradually builds her knowledge of human anatomy. And most of, um, her, her learnings, um, are done when Dr. Croft is out on house calls, or else she does a lot of them in the middle of the night, too. So when Dr. Croft discovers that Nora has been, um, perfecting her suturing techniques mm-hmm. and is actually very gifted, he's at first horrified, but then he reluctantly agrees to have her on the team as a surgeon. He realizes that he's the most gifted surgeon he's ever mentored. Mm. Now, Croft, Dr. Croft is unethical, highly unethical by today's standards, because he often pays grave robbers to find him interesting research subjects, or else he takes advantage of grieving families to get bodies donated to his clinic. But for him, it's a classic case of the end justifying the means. Mm -hmm. Now, things go along fairly smoothly, if you can... (laughs) call it smoothly, until the arrival of an upper class aspiring surgeon, Dr. Daniel Gibson. Now Gibson's an arrogant snob and he and Nora instantly dislike each other. The class difference between the two between the two of them is one of the factors in their mutual distrust. And things go from bad to worse. Um, then there's a court case, the threat of prison for Nora, because, and I didn't know this, but it was illegal for a woman um, to practice medicine and surgery in this mm-hmm. era, in this part of the Victorian era. And there's also the threat, if you call it that, of romance. Um, but I won't spoil the action. Um, but Nora's, uh, she's really juggling society's expectations of femininity while trying to build a career for herself. Now, look, this, I loved this. It was a great read. But if I'm honest, the thought of it actually didn't appeal to me at first. I thought it was going to be like a horror novel, um, way too gruesome for me. But it wasn't really. It was, I just found it a fascinating look at um Victorian times. And, you know, modern medical fiction, we've talked about this fairly recently, it often has a, a very large ethical component yes. to it. And yet Victorian me- medical ethics were quite different to what we would know them to be now, because um, you know. I was thinking about this, even the founding principle of medicine, which is first do no harm. This was adhered to in a different way than it than it would be today. Um, and in fact, this story shows us what our healthcare would have would have looked like almost two hundred years ago. Um, so it shows us that we've got a lot to be grateful for with our healthcare system that we have in in the twenty twenties.
1: Just mm, quite
0: so, struggles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite um, you know, it's it, we've got a long way to go, but yeah, we've we've also been on quite the journey. Um, so now, this one, the girl in his shadow, it's the first part of a series, and its follow up, the surgeon's daughter, has just been published. So I can't can't wait to read that. Actually, sounds great. Sounds like a good companion to that uh,
1: the madwoman's ball that I read a little while ago. Uh, yes, actually. Mm. That, Good point. Well, my last book for today is Abomination by um, Ashley Goldberg. And this is a debut novel by an Australian author published in 2022. And it's available in adult fiction and on Overdrive as an e-audiobook. So we're back into the uh, 20th century or just 21st actually um just about opens in melbourne in 1999 in the ultra orthodox jewish yahoo academy um, where the message is very constant for the students you are jewish australians not australian jews this is your country where you belong where you're safe now ezra and jonathan our main characters they're best friends ezra is jewish but he's not orthodox his family are not from now i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, they're not fully devoted to Orthodox Jewish religious practice um, and they actually live outside of the, um, the kind of closed community um, of the Yale Academy. Now is quite shy. He latches on to Jonathan who's a popular student um, and although he is part of the, um, the, um, the closed community, he's a bit more rebellious and open to difference than many of the other students and teachers at the school. Now, after a head teacher and rabbi is accused of sexually abusing one of the students, Ezra's parents pull him out of the academy, tootsweet, and into a, um, into a state school. And he soon loses contact with Jonathan, and they actually are not reconnected again for 20 years. One of the reasons he's been pulled out is because the community and the school management deny that there was any wrongdoing by the rabbi. They side with the accused abuser and they actually um, um, collaborate to whisk him away to Israel. And he stays there for many years protected um, despite facing extradition charges from the Australian government. So we re-meet them 20 years later. And at this point, adult Ezra is living a secular life. He's basically an atheist, um, but something's still missing from his life. He's not really happy in his public service job or with his current relationship. He's cheated on his partner and carrying a lot of guilt from that. Um, Yonatan is a rabbi at his old school. He's are married and well-connected are still in the community and they're expecting their first child but he also is not quite settled in the um, pressure of that closed community so when Israel and Jonathan are reconnected at a protest that's been organised by the Klieger family, who are the original whistleblowers, and their reunion really leaves them um, reflecting on that shared past and their current situations. So this is really a book about faith, family and friendship. It's about closed communities, protectionism, security and closing ranks. Um, it's also a close look at um, modern Australia, male identity and friendship spirituality and secularity really highly um recommend this this book it was debut
0: novel It sounds amazing and very, very timely too, in many, in many respects. Lots of parallels. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to read that myself. Well, look, we've run out of time, sadly. Thanks for tuning in today, um, listeners. Um, take care and happy reading. Haidera, kakite ano.
1: Brought to you by Auckland Libraries.
0: Find us online at Aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35 p.m. on 104.6 FM
1: or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond.